This morning's scripture comes from Exodus 12, 1 through 14. And here, good old Moses, he has come back to Egypt. And Pharaoh is not willing to let the Israelites go. So God is going to take care of it and maybe uh, change the situation for the Israelites but there are things that the Israelites need to do to show that they trust. They trust God. And so in Exodus, we read, with, starting with verse 1, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You, shall make, you, sh you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat of any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Any other remains until the morning you shall burn with fire. This is how you shall eat it. Your, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt from human to animal, and on the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood, uh, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, in this day that we remember your Passover, we also remember the blood of the lamb, the lamb that shed its blood for us. 
Lord, we pray as we think of these signs and these, these times that we live in, that you are with us. Speak through my voice and in spite of it today. Open our hearts and our minds so that we may be open to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Back, and this will show how old I am, a few years ago, and I say a few, but it was more like 10 or 15, Bill Engvall, who is a comedian, had a shtick that he would say, here's your sign. And it usually had something to do with people who, well, would say things or do things that weren't quite on, um, well, they were just some dumb things that people did or said that they didn't think through the whole way. And Bill would say, here's your sign. And, and when I think of those things, there is a lot of times that maybe perhaps I could have had signs plastered all over me because, you know, I don't always do the smartest of things and I don't always do the, well, things that are always logical. Sometimes, and my my dad would have told you, I was a bit stubborn. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, how could I be so stubborn? Well, I would get it in my mind that I would do things my way as opposed to doing things the way that I might have been told or, well, waiting for somebody to tell me to do it the right way. And so I started thinking about that because I'm not necessarily known as the most patient of people either. At least in my family, they don't think I'm the most patient of people. And sometimes that gets me into trouble as well. So over time and with a little experience, I have learned perhaps the hard way to look for signs to start with prayer to look for the right way to do things and the right way of doing things usually is well finding God's way first and sometimes that's not always easy I mean when you stop and you think about some of the things that maybe you have been asked to do or called to do in your lifetime, they might not have always been easy. But each of us have a special calling in life. Moses was called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He was called to be the one who would stand up and speak to Pharaoh and confront Pharaoh to take his people and leave and go to the promised land. Aaron was chosen, Aaron is Moses' brother, was chosen to be the first priest and to lead those into worship in a holy way of life, guiding people. Now, was he always perfect? Well, you'll see in the next few weeks, he definitely was not. In fact, if you stop and you think about it and know anything about these folks, they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years because they weren't really good 
at following God and what God had wanted them to do. In fact, they were a bunch of whiny crybabies. Oh, we know what whiny crybabies sound like and, and, and maybe even act like, right? And sometimes I can hold the mirror in front of myself and, you know, take a little bit of cheese with my whining, right? And it just happens to be that way. But today, today we honor some folks who go in when the rest of us are running away. I remember the day that 9-11 happened 22 years ago. And I was teaching sixth grade. And it happened to be a year that I rolled. In fact, I went from fifth grade to sixth grade. So many of the students I had had already had me the year before. And so they knew me very, very, very well. And it also so happened my oldest child happened to be in my class as well as the next door teacher's child was in my class. And I remember them coming up the stairs and telling, me, telling us that something horrible had happened at the World Trade Center. And I remember them coming up and telling us that it happened again at the other tower in the World Trade Center. And I remember standing in the hall and we had the doors somewhat closed so the students couldn't hear what was going on. And then we heard about the plane that crashed into the Pentagon. And at that time, I had two cousins who worked in the Pentagon. One was in the Air Force and one was in the Marines and they were brothers. One just happened to not be in the office that day and was across town. And the other who had just left the office was in the parking lot when it happened. But it, they all lost friends and some of them lost their own people. And I remember saying to the teacher that was across the hall from me once I found out my cousins were okay, aren't you glad we live in rural Pennsylvania? not knowing what was yet to come. And then the fourth plane landed in a field. And in the last place that I served before coming here, many of those first responders were the first responders that had ended up at Flight 93. And in fact, from my back porch, I could see the light, the pillar of light from Flight 93 on the anniversary last year and the year before. You see, we never know what our calling will be and what our sign should be unless we stop and we pray and we live into what God is calling for us to do. Now, when we stop and we think of those things and we think about the lambs that were sacrificed for the Israelites to protect them from the plagues that were to come. You see, this was the first of them living into a calling and following directions. But that wasn't new 
God had asked Abraham to do certain things. He had asked Adam and Eve to do certain things. Uh, he had asked Joseph to do certain things. He had asked Isaac to do certain things. And he asked us to do certain things as well. The thing is, none of us have the power to do those things on our own. We know today that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God, to give us the strength to do the things that God calls us to do. And we are called in a multitude of ways to serve God. But I want you to also think of this as, as we think about the Passover. That very week that Jesus had come into Israel was the week commemorating the Passover. That holy week. And he became the holy lamb that shed his blood for all of us, once and for all. And he did it for love. Love for you, love for me, love for humankind. And because that grace is there for us, we know that all that we do, that isn't such a great, wonderful thing because we're, we're sinners, that sometimes we need to stop and say, Lord, I am a sinner. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for shedding your blood like a lamb. And because of our love for God, I pray and hope that we're not like the Israelites who end up wandering around for 40 years until we get our act together. But we have in our hearts a desire to be able to serve. And today in this very place, there are a number of ways that we need people to serve. Hear me closely. We need Sunday school teachers for the children and the youth. We need Sunday school teachers that are willing to step in and lead a lesson for the adults. We need folks who are willing to be greeters. We need folks who are willing to be ushers. We need folks who are willing to be the hands and feet of Christ by even doing something as lovely as putting out things that help our, us visually know who we are worshiping and why. Just as simple as putting wreaths up on the, on the windows. And we each need, if we've been doing this for a while, to have somebody that we're willing to mentor and disciple. You want to know how churches continue to live and thrive? They're willing to mentor and disciple. And they're willing to bring somebody else up. Just like Paul did with Timothy. He prepared 
Timothy as a new leader, as a new disciple, which is what Bible study and Sunday school or helping in the kitchen or a myriad of things that we do here to serve others. There's always a way to participate if you're willing to say, here I am, God. You've given me the strength and you've given me the power to do that. And when you feel tired, pray. Breathe in that Holy Spirit because it is the very breath of God. And it gives you the strength to do the things that you're called to do. And it could be as simple as unlocking a door or saying hello. I'm glad you're here. Or more importantly, to sit next to somebody and hold their hand and say, I'm here. What can I do for you besides pray for you? You see, there are many ways that we have to live into each other, to live into God. You see, we are the body of Christ. And so we are called to give and to love. How are you doing at that today? Is there a sign on your heart that says, I'm a Christian and you should know me because of my love that I pour into others? Now, I realize some people aren't huggy and kissy and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine. We don't need everybody to be huggy and kissy and all that kind of stuff, right? But the best thing you can do is be present. And isn't that part of the joy of being a grandparent, for those of you being grandparents? that you are present in the lives of your grandchildren. Sometimes it takes us a while as new parents to figure out that we can't do everything, <laughs> that we're not able to be all in all to our children. And you know what? We were never meant to be. But you were called to be present. Well, we're called to be present in the life and the family of God as well. And by putting that blood over the door, those Israelites took that first step of showing God that they were willing to be present in God's life. Be part of the family. Are you willing to be part of the family? Are, are you willing to be part of the family of God? You say, when we talk about becoming a member of the church, it isn't a social club, folks. It's God's family through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the signs and the wonders that still occur today. For those who you have anointed to be able to do special things like run into fires or save us from ourselves in our greatest times of need. We thank you for those who protect. But we also thank you for those who 
are part of the body of Christ. We thank you for how they serve, whether it be through finances or councils or teaching or greeting or feeding. And there's so many ways to be fed in this church. We thank you, dear Lord, that you are willing to be present in our lives. Help us to be present in your life, in this community, and beyond in your kingdom. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. For our prayer concerns this morning, I have keep Garrett in prayer as he is serving in South Korea. Pray for mother-in-law who's going through chemo. I also have for Linda who is dealing with cancer treatments and for the Faust family on the death of Chuck's brother. I also have one for my, my stepmother who is uh, gone through surgery for breast cancer and for the radiation that she starts this week for the next four weeks, which will occur every day. For you see, there are good things and there are some pretty rough things in life but what God promises is that God will be with us no matter what. I want you all to know that Jan Wade is also healing and recovering from her heart surgery. And so I know that God hears our prayers. I've seen the results of those things myself. And I bet you some of you could testify and witness to what God is doing in your life, too. But know this. Because we are together, where God says we're two or three together, whether you're right here in this sanctuary or whether that you are gathered in front of a television set right now or a computer screen, God hears our prayers.